you know, I love the product of Chobani. I have like so many, when it comes to like Chobani flips, I have, you know, I want to make like a draft one day and maybe we could do this afterwards. We could like vote and see like the most popular flavor, but the branding in particular really stands out to me to see what it has become and it has consistently evolved has been really uh, remarkable. But can you talk about building uh, that look and feel and, and that identity and, and, and what was that process like? Uh, you know, like anyone who, who does good work will tell you, you can't start with the ambition of like, I want to create something that's award winning, or I want to create something that everyone admires. It's just, you got to start with like, I need to solve the problem. And when, uh, we started the process, you know, there were so many things to figure out that from a business perspective, there was like no brand strategy, there was no product architecture, there wasn't a real strong understanding of like who the consumer audiences were and stuff like that. And, and, and frankly, there wasn't a very articulate point of view of what Chobani meant yeah. and what Chobani believed in, sort of a lot of those brand equity type of stuff. So we started from the perspective of before we can do anything creatively with this company um, or marketing wise with this company, we have to understand what is the white hot center of this company? What is its values and ethos? And, and fundamentally, what is the, the core mythology that this organization lives? Because, you know, it, it, in a somewhat stripped down, but also still kind of high minded way, branding is nothing but corporate myth making. Mm-hmm. So if you want to express that. a brand, you have to understand the story that the brand is living. And so that's what I spent the vast majority of my time doing is just trying to understand through little signals that I picked up in language in the company and what products the company have made, what was the ingredient list, what, how things were sourced, uh, where was Hamdi from, where did the first idea of Chobani pop up, um, what were the early days of Chobani, like all of those types of things. Um, and slowly over time, I kind of figured out what the story was, the mythology and so, or not the mythology, the myth. So I, I, I was just in my gut kind of feeling like it is this kind of like mythology of paradise, this kind of like constant and desired return to Eden, whether you call it Eden or paradise or the orchard of golden peaches, you know, every Mm -hmm. culture has their version of this of trying to return to this nature laden paradise where this magical food is at the center of it that takes care of everyone. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of stumbled upon that mythic structure of the return to nature, essentially, I was like, oh, all of a sudden, all these little signals that I've been looking at, all of a sudden perfectly plug into this structure, this mythic structure. And that's that's the mythology that, that Shabani intuitively believes. So I was like, okay, now I have my mythology. Then it became... Now, how do I ex- visually express that mythology? What is the tone of voice of that mythology? How does that mythology translate into product? And so working with the uh, executive creative director that I hired from Wolf Allens, Lisa Smith, who you know, is one of my favorite people in the world. But we started exploring just like, what does it look like? What is, what is you know, happiness feel like? What does love feel like? What does innocence feel like? What does youth feel like? Kind of like all these things that are con- associated with paradise and Eden. And I remember walking past the blackboards that we had up with all this visual swipe and all this like exploratory design. And Lisa and the team had been organizing a bunch of photography and at the top of each um, 
at the top of each cluster of images on a board, there was a little printout that said some phrase. And one of the phrases was happily ever after. And I stopped and I grabbed her and I go, that's it. That's how we are telling the story of the return to Eden is that we are seeking a happily ever after. Because what it did was is it allowed us to talk about this idea of a, of a movement towards a better place that everyone can participate in. But it wasn't like in this like religious language and it wasn't in this like corporate, uh, uh, corporate, corporate type of language where it's like this corporate speak of like these high minded lofty goals that don't really like right. mean anything or feel anyway. And it felt like a fairy tale. It felt like um, a journey you wanted to see. And it felt like there was intention behind it of like fighting for happily ever after was a phrase that we uh, started using to modify it a lot. And it also spoke to quite frankly, the fact that everything that Shibani had done up to that point had um, overcome all the odds and all the naysayers. I'm, I'm not gonna get into it now. Everybody can read about it online, but it was this sort of like this this story of this up and coming outsider who changed everything and and has along the way tried to make everything better for everyone and that's very much a fairy tale story and it allowed us to bring in magic and talk about the transformative nature of food both to your physical body your mood your relationships the environment and stuff like that so i mean it was just firing on all cylinders so happily ever after became this creative handle and that in turn gave us a world to start designing to. Okay, so what do the people in every, Happily Ever After look like? What do they talk like? What stories do they tell? What kind of art do they do? And that became really valuable when we started talking about the visual language. Okay, if this is about Chibani bringing Happily Ever After to everyone, because let's say the factory in the valley of um, upstate New York uh, and the way it's flourished since that factory was set up uh, is happily ever after. The food is then exported from happily ever after. So, okay, so that's a really interesting thing. So let's make the food look like it was made by people from happily who live in happily ever after, which is not highly modern. It's not mechanized. It's innocent. It's craft oriented. People do everything by hand. Okay, so let's make all the food for our original core yogurt look like um, crafted products, like small batch stuff. So that's mm -hmm. why everything was done by hand. Everything was made to look like it was produced with um, turn of the century uh, technology, very old technology. And then we said, okay, in terms of the brand language, how do we express it? Well, if people who live in happy, people who live in happily ever after probably have a deeper relationship with nature and they probably, their art is probably more folk art because they didn't go to like these big city universities to learn modern art and things like that. They make folk art. So we actually went and referenced a lot of uh, uh, 1860s, 1870s folk art from New England. And that became the basis for our visual language. So all our visual language is just meant, is just a reinterpretation of folk art. Wow. And, and then we layered in a color palette that felt jewel tone, that felt romantic, but also natural. Um, we specifically stayed around away from bleached white because you know you don't really find bleached white in nature. We stayed away from perfect blacks so you don't find perfect blacks in nature. And so all of these things just started layering on top of each other, started to feel innocent, romantic, had an enchanting type of vibe to it. And so, I, I mean, there's more that I could talk about, but you can kind of see how every time we go back to dip our brush in the well of the story, we go back to the thing that we're making and it gives us a lot of great material 
and lenses and, and, and inspiration to kind of shape the specific things that we're working on. And to this day, we still go back to that idea and go like, okay, this is, this is the brief that we have to do to launch a product, but like, how would we do this in a way that it feels like part of the happily ever after world? It might not be the original continent of core, or what we call core, our original Greek yogurt, the way we designed it. But what if it's like this other island off of it? What does that island look like? And how do we reimagine that in a land of happily ever after ways so that it still feels like, even though it's a different product with a different message, it feels like it's part of this broader, diverse and rich world of happily ever after. Okay.